0: Back to the stack. This week we speak with Sitful Hatred, otherwise known to us as Reed, who writes the blog Networked Subject, which refers to itself in the third person as a repository of high-quality, maintained information and tutorials related to Urbit. It has become the official, unofficial source for knowing how to run your ship. Let's listen.
1: subject network come from? Was that networked stuff that you subject. did before? Network subject. Sorry, so, uh, Mr. Subject.
2: Uh, no, no, no. So, so uh, it's two things. One is you know the, uh, the 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 binary tree that represents the state of, of an orbit is is called the subject, and you know it's networked. And then the other thing was that uh, I don't know. I can't remember exactly where I was listening to this, but I was listening to some uh, some some presentation or essay about which uh, is kind of the, the Western individualist subject that uh, kind of... Well, let me think how to phrase this. Like, the idea is that Western individualism is reflected in in the 19th century in the novel. And I was kind of trying to think of... Well, the, the idea was that... Uh, I don't know. We're we're in the in the 21st century. We're kind of uh, entering a new kind of subjectivity. And in a previous era, our subjectivity was maybe defined by the novel. And in the the 21st century, it's the computer. And I I kind of just I just thought it was a little play on words that I enjoyed. But that makes it sound kind of pretentious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What uh, how did you get into Urbit then?
2: So I think, like a lot of people, I, I was kind of aware of Yarvin, I'd read a little bit of his stuff, but I, I read, I, I knew who he was, and you know, that I knew he was a controversial figure. Uh, but I think uh, when I, I found out that he had a, an internet decentralization project, I became very interested, uh, because when I was in middle school, uh, I, I got really into peer-to-peer networks, and that kind of got me interested in decentralized systems, like understanding how they worked and how they had political implications. And how the, the kind of network topology kind of reflected almost like, like a, a I don't know a social organization. And so I, I kind of just followed internet decentralization projects ever since then, like for the last twenty years. And uh, so I, I like you know reading about them, learning how they work, and kind of thinking about their strengths and weaknesses. And when I read about URBIT, it was the first thing. This was probably in two thousand fourteen that I first found it. And uh, it was the first thing that I, I think I read about like this, one of the first things that I just had no fucking clue how it worked. I had no idea what I was reading. <laughs> and uh, it was completely beyond me. So I, that got me interested in it. I think the project has this kind of uh, like mystery cult aura to it because you know it uses confusing words and it's completely different from everything else. But uh, yeah, I would say 2014, I just I, I read that Curtis Yarvin had an internet decentralization project, so that's kind of what drew me in.
1: Did, did you get um, address space at that time, or when, how did you become, like, actively involved?
2: So, you know, I, I I actually, this was right around the time that I became interested in Linux and, uh, and like, started taking computers seriously. Like, I'd always been, you know, a very online person and a, a big computer guy, but not, not like a, I don't know, not, not a computer science guy. But uh, this was, like I said, right around the time I started using Linux and kind of learning how to do, kind of, techier stuff than installing Windows programs. So I think Urbit was actually the first program that I learned how to compile, like download from Git and, and like make and run it. And uh, so back then, uh, if you got on onto Urbit, it was one chat room. And uh, there was an Easter egg built into the client where if, if you found it, you could get a planet. You just like had to type stuff into the jo- dojo. And I didn't figure out the Easter egg. Somebody mentioned it. And I, I, I listened for people to spoil it. And, uh, so I, I, I got a, a planet and back then it was just a password that they emailed to you, you know, before Azimuth and, uh, yeah, I guess, well, I'm sorry, I forgot the question already.
1: Uh, yeah, so yeah, so, so yeah, did you, how, when did you get involved? So it sounds like you are pretty much an OG long time. Well,
2: I, I mean, yeah. I, that was the first time I used it and then I, I, I kind of, Kept an eye on it for a couple of years without without really using it too much. I, I would dip in, and then I would say around two thousand, I think two thousand seventeen. This was right around the time I graduated from college. Uh, they, they had the second crowd sale, and I, I bought a star then, and that's when I really started, you know, following it actively because I had a stake in it. So yeah, I, I would say aware of it two thousand fourteen, and and like you know I've been active since about two thousand seventeen.
0: What was the procedure for moving your planet? From the emailed password to the as the Ethereum um, ID.
2: So I, it, I think it was just that you know if you, if you, they had a big list of email addresses and corresponding ships, and then they emailed everybody and said you know you here's a, you know we know you you own this planet or star or whatever, and uh, you know we're gonna be launching uh, this this PKI on Ethereum, and. Uh, Trying to remember how it worked, it was uh, you would go to womb.erba.org, Womb is in like where where a child is from, and then enter this this password, and then it would you know do some transmutation in the background and, and spit out uh, an Ethereum address. But it, it was a pretty impressive uh, little thing to go through, I think.
1: Did you did you have any um, experience with uh, Ethereum or blockchain up, up to that point?
2: Uh, so I, I've I, I've followed loosely. Or, you know, I, I, I was aware of Bitcoin around since around the time it came out, but I didn't really, I don't know, get involved in it or use it much until probably about 2014, around the same time I became interested in Erbit. And uh, that's, I, I think, you know, prior to that, I, it was difficult for me to really have much confidence in, in Bitcoin in particular. But seeing it, like you know, not not just like stick around for that long, but to you know gain in utility and value, uh, it just kind of you know the longer it went on, the more the more kind of convincing it became to me. And I, I think I also was aware of Ethereum since a little bit before it launched, and uh, I remember reading uh, some comment somewhere where somebody was basically describing a DAO, just like a, a like a, a corporation that was a decentralized process, and I thought that was the coolest fucking thing I'd ever read. And uh, I didn't, I didn't like really have any money to buy any any Bitcoin, Bitcoin or Ethereum until really the last couple of years. So I, I didn't uh, have much of a stake in either. But I, I've kind of loosely followed both. But I, I will say, I think a lot of Ethereum stuff is still pretty far beyond me. It's uh, it's for people smarter than I.
0: Okay. So you ended up getting a star. I think I, we can say that because it's connected to your patp, right? Like it's pretty uh-huh. well known yeah. that you. Yeah. So, what was what was that like for you? Oh, well, I I know that you've gotten more than one because I think you were awarded a star like we were right recently.
2: Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just yep. putting that yeah, out there, by boy. the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, to you too. Yeah. We we we're, we're still waiting on uh, accounting to come through, but um, yeah, me yeah.
2: too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, have, I have right now two two in my possession and one that I'm waiting on, and. uh, the, one, the first one that I received in that crowd sale is just it's sitting in a safe in a relative's house. And this, the one that I got, I got another one uh, as, as a grant for running meetups last year, uh, right before COVID. So it, it kind of got suspended, hoping to the, start the last physical,
1: the, the last real meetup.
2: Yeah, it, it might have been. This was, I think, early February. <laughs> but, uh, but I did fulfill the grant and I, I got a star for that. And uh, that w- that was extremely exciting. I'm, I was, I think, the the first one that I got. I, I, I was kind of afraid to touch because it was too precious. But having two of them meant that, you know, I can I can spin it up and and do things with it, and, and that's what I did. You know, I, I started uh, that blog and and ran the that star on the same server, and uh, that was the, the genesis of Network Subject. Knowing so how Mattly. Early... Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Is that Matt Webb? No, no, no. Yeah, that's, yep, but, I think
0: it's Matwet, right?
2: Yeah, Matwet.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you just just um, since you have like the the boutique herbic company is is what you're eventually going to do with Matwet. I just wanna know what what is that? What is a boutique boutique uh Urbit service? Uh,
2: I, I think I, I was kind of trying to emphasize that I, I wasn't <laughs> like kind of treating it as, as a mega or a, something. Yeah, or like a, a really commercial service. Like it, it is a hobby for me, and it, it costs me money. You know, I'm I'm paying for this VPS, and periodically someone buys a planet from me, but it it doesn't pay for itself, and I'm not treating it like that. Or like I'm I'm, I, I'm trying to think of it more of the, you know, setting the ground or uh, using it as a learning experience for you know maybe future expansion. Ideally, eventually, I'd like to. to what, run do a think, hosting service, what do you think? What
0: do you think is going to? Yeah, I mean, what what is that going to involve? A, a hosting service? Do you think in the future, at the let's say because we the the reason i this is interesting to me is because we kind of uh are uh somewhat interested in this as well. You know, we have the Ervit Asia gig with uh, uh our own stars running mm-hmm. hosting i don't know some some number of ten, tens of people, i think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so i mean I, i've put some thought All into All of them it deadbeats. beats. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I've, uh, I've I've put some thought into it, and I think the way that I would like to do this is is to own the hardware, and it, rather than you know, just like uh, spinning up droplets, you know, on demand or whatever, I, I would really like to, to control the entire uh, the entire stack, you know, in terms of hardware. So that's that's kind of what I, I'm thinking of of heading towards once I have a little more money to spend on this. Uh, but I, I've also, I, I need to kind of level up in terms of skills, like uh, in particular, you know, I have a little, I, I've, I've, I've been spending some time experimenting with Docker to try to get that under my belt. And I believe Kubernetes is, is the other big thing that people, uh, that other, you know, existing hosting operations seem to rely on. So that's something I have absolutely no experience with, but uh, something that I, I'm, I'm intending to, to learn more about
1: would it because i know you know how to do this uh would it violate the oracle terms of service to charge people and then turn around and set them up on a free oracle instance
2: Uh, i don't know i don't i don't think i would do that Uh, but i'm just trying to think how to
1: make money
2: yeah i I got (laughs) you i I, I actually have you know i've never looked at the oracle terms of service and I, i haven't put any of my like you know ships that are actually worth any money on there, mainly because I, I don't really trust the, that they're not going to pull the rug out. But, man, have you guys seen the, the specs on the new free tier instances?
0: No, now, what, are they, what, what are they doing? The specs?
2: So, you know, previously when I wrote, wrote a tutorial a few months ago about how to spin up a, a planet on, or on Oracle for free, you know, and just run a free instance that they never charge you for, So that that was previously, that was like one Intel core and like a gig of memory. And then, you know, you could add some swap and it was good enough to run a ship, not super fast, but the new instances or the new tier, Uh, they give you four ARM CPUs and uh, 24 gigs of memory. And you can split that up however you'd like between one to four instances, including just putting it all in one instance. And this is the always free tier. And uh, I've been talking to Soxcel Pacted in in the, the group I run about this and, I haven't I haven't actually dumped all the resources into one VPS to test it, but I did do one that just had one one core and like six gigs of memory, and it was basically running the ship as fast as my PC does. So uh, it's it's pretty cool.
1: So what's uh, so they they do that just to entice people in to use use it kind of more regularly? Um, they're using ARM CPUs CPUs is kind of interesting uh, for them to want to do that. So. But for your yeah, so, purposes, yeah, go ahead. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, the, I, I think it's it's some proprietary ARM processor that, you know, they, they designed. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember what it's called, but it is very fast. It's, a, it's pretty impressive. And yeah, I think the idea is, that, you know, they give you some legroom to build something on it. And if you're, you know, if you're just running a web server or whatever, it's probably not going to cost them very much to run for free anyway. But if right. you're building something that, you know, that needs to scale out and, you know, you kind of get... Locked into their, their free infrastructure, then obviously you have to pay to expand it. But uh, yeah. from, as far as I can tell, they don't they don't do the Amazon thing where they just like silently trigger billing, and you have to explicitly opt in to, to build options.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I mean Amazon is a bunch of snakes. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I, I try <laughs> to stay away from them.
1: The the um, Oracle walkthrough, I know. Like um, you know, I I know you've asked from the Minio walkthrough, which was extremely helpful. Um, how did you, when when did you start, um, doing those sorts of, um, kind of like, uh, uh, research and everything and and working on writing those
2: things up? Well, I mean, I think the, really the, the, the idea behind the blog initially was that I, uh, you know, whenever last year, like I I started this in like October of last year and uh, until then there were, there was a lot of stuff that. You know, was known if you were in the chat rooms and asked people questions. A lot of stuff that was what I I've been referring to as tacit knowledge. I, I just I th- I think that's the best way to put it. It was stuff that a lot of people knew, but it wasn't written down anywhere. And I think partly because Elon didn't really uh, prioritize writing documentation, but I I felt like there was a, a good arbitrage opportunity to you know write all this stuff down you know and put it somewhere so that people who were new didn't have to like wade into chat rooms to figure stuff out, or like rely on on somebody being around, you know, at two a.m. to answer their question. And uh, yeah, so I basically I just approach everything with the, the idea that you know if, if I'm learning some new herbit skill, you know, is this going to be useful for other people? And if so, then I write it down.
0: Yeah, a great example of that is um, you've got you've got a post about how to oh yeah aims indirect connection fixes, which is a problem I've had
2: before. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, I, I guess for, for people who are listening and don't know what we're talking about, can you, can you tell us what AIMS, what AIMS is?
2: Yeah, so AIMS is, is the, the networking layer that Urbit uses. It's kind of I, probably what most people sort or uh, maybe like half of what, what most people generally think of as Urbit. It's, it's the networking layer. You know, Urbit is an entire computing stack, like literally down to machine code up to, you know, a global network. And, uh, you know, it's got different layers and the layer that allows the computers to talk to each other is Ames. And uh, it's mostly interesting because it, it doesn't rely on uh, like centralized nodes. It's, it's distributed and it, where possible, it's peer to peer. It has uh, peer discovery like DNS, uh, where you look up the address by asking sponsor nodes for an IP. They tell you that IP, and if possible, then you connect directly and exchange encrypted packets. If you can't connect directly, uh, then the sponsor node uh, forms a proxy and forwards encrypted packets. So I mean, this is always encrypted, but but most of the time it's, it's also peer-to-peer, and I, that really that really presses my buttons. I'm really into that.
0: Yeah. So there's a there's this problem. I guess you call it a problem, but but the, if if you have a, a a problem because you're behind a firewall or you're uh, I don't know. Your VPN is is acting is acting up. Uh, you you have this problem that the the packets get directed through the the next higher tier in the hierarchy. I think right. So oh, if think, you, if, uh, you, if you right can't make it
2: through galaxies, but uh, I think the oh, idea right, is okay. that eventually stars yeah. will perform this.
0: Right. Okay. And so, so the situation uh, then is that you're not making a direct connection. and You need to know that whether whether you're making a direct connection or not. And the reason I brought all of this up anyway is that the command that you use in in Dojo, which is the command the terminal or command line in in Herbit, is mm-hmm. uh, some like f- oh, I don't know, like fifty characters of complete nonsense, and there's no <laughs> way that you would know <laughs> unless you know you built the thing that the, that this what this command is to determine whether or not it's a simple thing. Am I, am I directly connected to the ship that I'm talking to or, or, is it being routed some other way, which you want to know because, uh, you know, it's a speed, it's, it's an issue of speed. If you're indirectly routing, then your orbit is communicating less quickly than it should be. And right, it's a simple yeah. thing that you want to know. Am I, am, am I directly connected or not? And yet the command, uh, which you would have no idea, you know, if it weren't for your blog, there's no way that you would know this crazy. I, I'm going to like link to this because it's so insane to me, but <laughs> thanks for that, by the way. Uh, cause yeah, r- right now the, the way to, the way to know that is, um, and the, actually the way that I found out wasn't from you. It was from Botter. I, I just sent, um, Botter Nidnal who does, uh, the small computing, uh, small computing, um, chat. I just had to like send him a message, man. Hey, how do I, how do I know? And that's the way you learn stuff in Erbit right now. Uh, the documentation is improving, but still not there.
2: Yeah, so on that note, actually, I, I can't say too much about it because there, there isn't that much to discuss or to talk about at this point anyway, but I, I've, I'm going to be uh, entering into a grant to, to write some documentation for urbit.org. So like I said, I don't actually really have any details to share right now, but that, that should be happening in the near future.
0: Well, yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I've, I'm trying to get my wife to do the Chinese uh, translation of Urbit. And, oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, we, yeah, she translated a couple of pages. But the problem is, the problem is for Urbit documentation, the sh- the sand sort of shifts beneath you. So if you uh-huh. translate something next week, it's going to be a completely different page. And so we've kind of we've kind of got to wait until the documentation settles. So for instance, you know, they just released uh, what is it? um Taisho uh well Port right uh mm-hmm. so what was originally Taisho is now Port um actually you can talk about that i think because because you interviewed uh, who who is it who did Port what is
2: oh that's uh i can't remember Knox uh, Noxix Lassel. i didn't interview him though but uh, i've talked to him a little he's a really nice guy his name's Arthur i think
0: all right i think you have do you i may be wrong about this but i think you have a like you have a post about Taisho show or something? No, like that. No, it's Hunter. I'm, I'm sorry. Wrong. His
2: name is Hunter. But uh, no, I I wrote I wrote briefly about uh port slash tie show in a in kind of an update post. But no, I, I haven't written anything at length. But I it is very uh, impressive. If anybody is listening and has dreamed of a, a GUI urbit client, uh, you should definitely give it a spin because it, it it's very nice. I
0: I will, I will say yeah. So um, just to use. I don't even use words like GUI on this show without defining them. So uh, <laughs> anyway, if you if you want a nice, uh, they don't have they don't have Windows yet, right? They have Ma- uh, Macintosh and uh, Linux clients so far, uh-huh. but we'll eventually have win- Windows. So basically, yeah, it's a it's a I mean? client. It's it's a uh, it's an app for setting up an urbit without having to know anything about how urbit works basically i
1: think
2: yeah you just double click you know the, the program and you have you know urbit in a window you don't have to do the command line at all which i, I think is great
1: have you found the um because uh, i i don't spend much time in those beginners island areas as, as i used to um but it, like have, have you found that the technical sophistic as the community grows and grows beyond people who are like even like, I mean, like kind of into Linux or whatever to Mm
2: -hmm.
1: heaven forbid, Windows users. um, (laughs) Does this sort of like technical question become much less or different? I mean, like people are not looking to do like, oh, how do I run like a Minio server on my, you know, VPS or whatever so I can have everything on the same machine. It's, you know, kind of something completely different. Have Have you noticed that?
2: I don't know. It's hard to say. I think there's there's kind of a, a selection effect with URBIT users in general. Even even now, you know, as it's getting more popular, there's still a bit of, of technical overhead. Just to, even really, it's I mean, n- now that you can run port, it doesn't really re- require any skills, but it, it still tends to draw the kind of person that you know is, is into you know esoteric computing or or just you know trying weird new software. But I, I don't know. It's hard to say if there's been if I've noticed any any real trend uh, with with newcomers. I will say there's a, a lot more good answers than there used to be. I, like a few years ago, you know, there was just a lot more just uh, bugs that you know nobody really could tell you how to fix, and a lot more a lot more crashing. It happens a lot less these days where you would have an unrecoverable state. And I, uh, yeah, I, I've actually never had to to breach my, my planet, despite, you know, pretty heavy use, I think. And that's pretty impressive to me. Yeah, never.
0: (laughs) We've, we've had both extremes here. So we've had you who's never had to do it. And Jonathan Pritchard, who I think has done it 15 times or so.
2: Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's an expert in that by now.
0: Yeah. He could have sent his kids to college. Uh, I, I think I've had to do it. I've had to do it three times, and and the majority of that was because I, this is terrible. Because I teach high school computer science, but I wasn't much of a Linux guy when I started, mm-hmm. and so a lot of a lot of my there there are a lot of simple mistakes that you can make, like not setting up the proper permissions in Linux, or uh, you know um, what's another one? Oh, run accidentally running your urbit twice because you're oh, yeah. using. You forget to turn to, to shut down Tmux or something like that. And and uh I, I did a lot of that when I when I first started just absolutely ruining my I, I you know. I drove it like I stole it basically.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm I try to be pretty cautious with my planet because I'm very fond of it, but <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I, I've, I started using a System D unit to run my planet on my desktop, and I'm, I'm always terrified that I'm going to accidentally destroy it because it's, it's running in the background, and I can't tell if it's working or whatever. How,
1: how much storage does your peer take up, then?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Let me take a look. I've got a dedicated hard drive for my peer.
0: If it's less than 50 gigabytes, I don't think you're orbiting hard enough. <laughs>
2: Oh, it only looks like about 20 gigs right now. Uh, my star definitely takes up about like 30 or 40, I think though. Uh,
0: we have, we have some friends who keep having to, or not keep having to, but about once every six months or so, you know, they popular people with more popular than us and, and they end up with like a 60 gigabyte peer every six months or something like that.
2: Man, how, how does that happen? What is it? What is it's not 60 gigs of text.
0: Well, uh, your your guess is as good as mine.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't get it either. Uh... Is it is it that
0: I I mean I don't know is it the is it that that many more connections or hosting a, a room that popular has a, a like a massive event log or something like that? That's well, just I know, have they you, have they writing... been trip. Go ahead. Uh,
2: uh, if you're running a star, you know it. Uh, I, I think this is going to change in the future. But uh, if you're running a star and you're, you know, performing that traversal or you know forwarding uh, packets for your your children, uh, that gets written. To, like I think the packets themselves get written to the event log or something, and that, uh, it's something that takes up a lot of space related to that. So if just just running a star that's not doing anything special can really make it, it blow up, and maybe it's something like that. Well, maybe it's moon. I know moon, that.
0: The one that I'm talking about, I have one in mind where the, the, uh, the person runs a very popular room with like, you know, probably several thousand messages a day. Uh And, uh, uh, yeah, he ends up, it's just a planet, but he ends up getting, getting a peer that's like 60 gigabytes every few months and just has to breach because there's no. Hmm.
2: I wonder if maybe it's, it's, since there's so many peers, it's just backlogged with messages that it's waiting to send out to people who have disconnected. I don't know if that's, I, I, I'm i just guessing, uh, but that, that seems like a reasonable guess to me.
0: The next thing I want to ask you about was uh, running a Bitcoin node. You set up a, oh, actually, I just want to ask you, like, what, what's, because I think Matt Wett, uh has been serving uh, its Bitcoin node for, for its children, right?
2: Well, it did, it did for about one day. <laughs> so, yeah, so back in, back in February, I, uh, I saw you know that there were imminent plans to release the you know, the Bitcoin connector software, so I, I spent some time learning how to set up a Bitcoin full node for these purposes, and you know I I, I bought uh, a Nano which is sort of like a beefier version of a Raspberry Pi. It's it's like just a faster processor basically, and uh, that was on the rec- recommendation of uh, the guy who runs Small Computing. Uh, I can't remember who's is Pat P right now, but
0: Small Computing. Uh, is uh-huh. is either Nidnol or not bodernidnol
2: uh, the yeah DOSFEB. the the fellow who yeah. runs Uh but it, he recommended uh, uh, a a nanopi for these purposes that's a yeah linuxkernes
0: yeah it's pathfinder
2: uh-huh and so I, anyway i got one of those and I, I put an ssd in it and and learned how i i spent a lot more time tinkering with it before uh, than I, I needed to before i realized that Uh, Luck Miptev had kind of put all the instructions in a GitHub repo, and I was just trying to reconstruct it ex nihilo. But I got it working after a couple of weeks, and uh, I got the the test software working. So I just kind of sat on it until they released the Bitcoin software. And I I connected it as soon as it was released, and it worked pretty well for about a day. But there were some performance issues that kind of forced me to turn it off. And uh, it, it basically just chokes on, on many HTTP threads. It's, uh, I guess uh, the, the, the Bitcoin provider is asking you know, about addresses to the full node. And I think just having a bunch of open threads where it's just waiting for responses slows it down. I think that's what's happening. Uh, but I, from what I, I've heard, uh, the next update should have uh, significant performance fixes for that. So I'm looking forward to bringing it back online when I can. But yeah, it was basically dosing my star when I was running it after after the first day or so, it just kind of made it non-functional. Uh,
0: another thing that I wanted to ask you about or talk to you about is is this uh, essay that you wrote for, um, urbit.org, which is called Autopiary, Hypertext and Herbit. Would you mind sort of um, telling telling us a little what this is about? It's about hy- well, I should say yeah, it's certainly. it's about hypertext and urbit, but uh, yeah,
2: sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a, an essay that is mostly about the history of hypertext and hi- hypermedia, and I, I think this is a, kind of a... I, for, I, I spent some time researching it, and I think what I wrote was basically kind of a consensus history narrative, just that this is generally the agreed-upon history of hypertext, and then I, I tried to situate Urbit within that, and in particular, uh, GraphStore, which is the, the new backend for all, all of the social software on Urbit, and GraphStore graph store is uh, an urban native graph database and a graph database is, uh, so uh, to understand one, you, it helps to know how a traditional database works. Uh, a traditional database is basically a collection of Excel spreadsheets. And it's very useful for, for looking up structured information. And, uh, but it chokes when you, the more complexity you add to it, the, it just gets exponentially slower in, in how, how you're trying to find information and how it relates to each other. Uh, so a graph database is, uh, it, it, if you think of in a movie where an insane person uh, has a bunch of pictures on a pinboard and they're all they have strings going between them, uh, that's, I, I think, the easiest way to think of it. It's a bunch of uh, what are called nodes and edges. And the pictures of people on the pinboard are the nodes and the strings are the edges. And it's a, a way of representing information and um, explicitly storing the relations between different pieces of data. So instead of trying to discern the relation between two pieces of data, uh, it's explicitly available and it's much quicker to figure out how how things are connected to each other in in complex ways. So it's very good for for social specific data. So things like Twitter and Facebook all use graph databases because it's the only thing that can scale like that uh, for those purposes. And Urbit has its own now, and it's the backend for everything from chat to the, the blogging software, to uh, I guess just pretty much everything it, it uses this. And it's, it's just a, a standardized way to store data and you have your own and you can reference other people's and Urbit has a, a, a global immutable namespace. So you can basically kind of embed nodes from other people's graphs inside your own graph. And I, I really like thinking about that. I think that's a really cool idea, and I, I just wanted to draw attention to it. So I, I tried to kind of explain what hypertext is and how how this is an evolution of, of the, the history of it. So that, that, that was kind of what do you behind it.
0: What do you see as, as some possible um, use cases or, or what, uh, so uh, I guess first thing I should say is that this is also the technology that backs things like uh, Facebook. I think has Facebook's own sort of graph. Yep. Yeah,
2: database yeah. All that the major, use, right? all the major social platforms use yeah. use graphs. Right, right, That's right. A,
0: yeah. Yeah. So um, what I'm, I mean, for for Urbit, uh, what sort of, um, what does this make possible, sort of like beyond, beyond Facebook, I guess.
2: Well, the, I think the cool Do thing you have about any thoughts it is about that. that? Yeah. Yeah. I think the cool thing about having, you know, your own graph is that the way things work on the clear net on the traditional Internet and social media services is that there is one graph owned by somebody else that you are basically mined for, you know, your, your content and your connections to other people are just, you know, pieces of this greater graph that you have no control over. Uh, But on Urbit, you know, you have your own and you are voluntarily exchanging data and, and connections with other people who have their own graphs as well. And uh, so the, the, just having autonomy over that, I think, is very important. You know, that, that means you're not bound to any platform. You can take your data with you and it makes it much more uh, it, I, more of a realistic option. You know, it's not something that you would have to, like, convert to some other format or anything. If It's all already stored in this format. Uh, it also is very cool because it's basically a, a, a database microservice that you, you run on your ship, which means, you, or, ah, let me back up. It's a database microservice that runs on your ship that you can query or write to from outside of Urbit. So you, you can even just forget it's on Urbit. You can run web apps that use it as a backend. I'm not sure if there are any that exist yet, but I mean, it's, it's a possibility that you can just literally have pretty much any program just using, you know, a personal database as its backend. And it's also uh, interchangeable and extensible. So all of it, it's, you know, kind of a, a very core basic definition. And then uh, new semantics are applied to, uh, to entries in it to create new uses. So right now, you know, the semantics for uh, chat entries are, have their own kind of like way of being understood, kind of like a type. And uh, notebook entries have their own, uh, but you can extend it to other kinds of content. You could make, you know, mixtapes or something. And really, the the cool thing about this to me is that it can be applied to basically all social data and all social data can refer to other kinds of social data. So, you know, Facebook posts are not really connectable to Twitter posts or like uh, videos on YouTube or anything like they can link to each other, but they don't understand each other. Uh, but this makes this makes it like not, not just easier, but kind of encourage for, for all of the kinds of data that you generate to link into each other, and that's something that doesn't really exist anywhere else.
1: I'm
0: gonna let Andy. Uh, ho- hopefully, he's there. I'm here. I'm here. But it's <laughs> the
1: ambient, the ambient noise is uh, the ambient noise is what it is. Um, yeah, it is what so so. so, what, so what, are, what are some projects that you are, um, you know, excited about right now within the Urbit ecosystem and, you know, wh- where do you see things in three months, one year, five years?
2: Uh, so, well, for one thing, WebRTC, I'm, I'm very excited about, you know, next time, you know, maybe in, in the next few months, you guys can start recording your show on Urbit. That would be extremely cool. Uh, and you and know, getting paid in
0: Bitcoin, I hope.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is <laughs> uh, is you know being connected to to cryptocurrencies. I think that uh, you know the existing Bitcoin connection is, is just the first of, of many kinds of connections to to cryptocurrency networks that will exist. And I know there's already work underway uh, to to add Lightning support for uh, the Bitcoin support and. That that seems like it would make it a lot more practical to use, you know, if you're not having to pay a couple of dollars for every transaction, or you know, a dollar or two. Uh, and I think the other thing that I, I think is the most intriguing right now is, uh, are you guys familiar with what Justin Murphy is 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 doing?
0: Oh yeah, Justin. Justin, uh, we're we're in talks to try to get him on the show. I don't. Um, well, he's talking oh, to yeah, us about yeah, it. I don't yeah. know if it's gonna. Happen, yeah, that's but... another
2: another podcast I listen to that I like a lot, so you, I think you guys could go well together. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, so for the audience, if they're not familiar, Justin Murphy uh, has kind of a, a community that he leads of, of uh, people that are interested in, in educating themselves in in philosophy. And I, I'm, I'm not sure what all the courses are, but he runs basically an internet kind of university for, for people who are interested in particular subjects. And so he has been using Patreon for funding and, and like, People buying courses and participating in them as a way of funding himself, uh, but he's moving on to Urbit and he's you know he, I think his idea is that uh, he'll he'll be accepting cryptocurrency as payment and have basically just a, a stack that he completely controls. That he, he's kind of creating uh, a, a new way of being a creator, I guess. He's uh, he's trying to carve out a new niche, and I, I think that once it's demonstrated that that's possible, that you know you can move. All, you know, you can if you're a creator, you can move your your entire community and process onto something that is not something that you're renting from somebody else, or some uh, something that you're getting uh, money taken from you for uh, for the services provided necessarily. Sorry, that was grammatically a, a little weird, but I hope it made sense. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I I think that once it's demonstrated that this is possible, there's a lot of of communities and. Uh, kinds of internet groups that I think would naturally gravitate uh, towards urbit, and actually, I, I not something that I, I, I'm explicitly like looking forward to, but I, I think it makes a lot of sense for for like OnlyFans style stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, that that's <laughs> probably the, one of the groups of people that's going to get drawn in, and hey, I mean historically, yeah. that's something that you know that that kind of leads the charge in technology. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I got a. a, a... I kind of weighed it, weighed in on one of those um, small Twitter wars about uh, about OnlyFans coming to Urbit. It's going to it, the nice thing about Erbit is that you can um, you know you can pay attention to exactly what you want to, and none of none of that uh, none of that stuff can leak in. I guess it it really pushes the uh, the video the video uh, forward. So as soon as WebRTC WebRTC, by the way, um, to simplify is is a protocol for peer to peer, um, video. Is that right?
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. It's sort of like orbit where it's, you know, peer to peer where possible. And then there are servers that do relaying like a, like a galaxy does, uh, if you're not directly connectable. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So next thing I want to ask you about, or <laughs> to talk about, maybe one of the last things is, uh, the gurgle do, you, do you know about gurgle?
2: Oh yeah. 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 I, 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 tried not to, to weigh in too much. You I, try, I, I not, I try not
0: to it. get involved.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want I didn't want the ISO on upon me, but uh, yeah, I, I, that, that, that was a really interesting episode, I, I guess for, for the audience, if you're not familiar, somebody uh, anonymously built a site that indexed uh, all public urban groups and some private groups. So there were basically comets and I think planets that were, uh, joining every public Urbit group and, uh, you know, downloading the contents of all the conversations and then putting them on a searchable web page. And people got very upset about this. And, uh, you know, I think for understandable reasons, Urbit feels like a private place, you know, even if maybe it it is not technically, you know, public groups are public, but it feels like you're kind of in a, a secret clubhouse. And people are offended that, you know, somebody would, would violate the norms uh, of the, the community. Urbit is small enough that it's still basically a subculture and it has strong norms. So, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, I, I, oh. uh,
1: yeah I think, I mean, so many, are, I think the private groups were formerly public. And so whenever this person, um, whoever they may be, um, started their scheme uh, it was it was during that window when, when they were public, but then uh, they had no mechanism, whether for um, justifiable or unjustifiable reasons to recognize that private, you know, that it had gone private, because they were just taking whatever their, their comments were reporting. back. I think, I mean, um, my own two cents is, uh, this is inevitable um, mm-hmm. that, that it's going to happen. But it was it was regrettable how whoever whoever had done it, uh, you know, showed that they knew enough about, say, whom the programming language uh, and the system, to have been pretty involved, um, but that they did not want to engage anybody about what they were doing, um, mm-hmm. and that's it. And so, you know, it, you almost wonder if it was a brilliant. Way of kind of warning people what certainly will happen in the future before yes. it was before it was too late, you know. And I, uh, you know, the, the the end effect is that comets, these ephemeral addresses, are so much less usable now than they were before yeah. Gurgle went out. Because I mean, everybody, myself included, have just like banned them, uh, and so there's now a huge part of the community you cannot get into um, as that. So, but I I don't think this was a triple bang shot. I think it was, uh, the best case is it was somebody who just didn't realize how sensitive people were going to be uh, and why they might not realize that can be left to our imagination. Um, But uh, the worst case is that it was like actually a kind of a bad actor type thing. Um, But yeah, the the fact I mean, even I think, you know the, the old old style like icq or whatever i mean you know indexing is just going to happen i mean the chans, whatever um, so people just have to be be aware of that yeah, i got i
0: got to I gotta say something oh sorry oh go ahead, you know, ahead. I, I, because you guys have both been uh, very kind and balanced uh, about this and i raged and the reason for my rage was that the the person was contacted um, several times by several different people who politely asked, you know, what are the, can you at least tell us the comments, right? And the, so that we can, you know, kick specifically those comments out. And, uh, the reply was, well, either there was no reply. There was, you know, the, whoever runs that account just, uh, ignored the requests or some weird mealy mouthed shitty answer like well we we whoever this ephemeral we is as if they're working at the gurgle corporation we discussed it and decided that you know your concern that what what you're saying is impossible so just kick out all the comments and so <clears throat> the situation then so they created a situation wherein your only recourse was just to ban every comment in your room because they wouldn't tell anybody who's you know which comments were doing the indexing And, uh, yeah, it was a real, it was a real, you know, it's not that I think that this isn't going to happen or even that I would have a problem with it. If, if someone had said, Hey, we're doing, we're going to do this. All right. And here's the comments. But, uh, yeah, the fact that they were so weirdly autistic about it, they, anyway, Gurgle, Gurgle ended up blocking the, uh, the the stack Twitter account because I was totally unpro- unprofessional about it, but you know I do this I I do this for free, so I can be unprofessional and rage. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, I, I think that uh, I mean you know to be honest, we we do not know if this is not an ongoing thing. You know, maybe somebody is running a secret gurgle and you know indexing oh, yeah. everything still. Like we we don't know, and maybe maybe it's valuable for that reason to tell tell us all that. You know this can happen, and we should probably behave as if it is. You know. Yeah, like I, I... I think that the idea that the cost of a planet
1: at twenty or thirty dollars is enough to stop somebody from doing this is not realistic, right? I mean, um, so I, I think yes, we should absolutely act as if if, if this guy is not doing it, somebody somebody else is or will. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. I may have been, you know, like I may be the patsy or whatever, or uh, the the guy who has been played. But I'm willing to actually play that part. So I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody, as as Andy suggested, was was just trying to get the community to, you know, toughen up their um, opsec and and security. In which case, God bless. But you know, I just because I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to. Um, you know, not inoculate against a bacteria just because, uh, it's a, it's a nice one, I suppose.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. I mean, I, I do feel kind of personally offended by it. You know, it, it does, I mean, I, I, you know, I identify with the herbic community insofar as there is one and, you know, I, I feel personally offended at the violation of norms of, it, you know, I, I, I it does, it does, I think serve a, a, a valuable lesson.
0: Is there anything that we can schlock for you? Is there is there anything that we can that uh, that you, you want to talk about or any projects that you're working on?
2: Uh, I don't know. I think I, I mentioned earlier that I'm going to start writing stuff for urbit.org. So I, I, I don't have anything to point at yet, but uh, I I look forward to uh, people reading whatever I put on there. Uh, and you know, I guess if anybody is listening and they're familiar with urbit but not familiar with my site, uh, you can see it at subject.network on the, the clear the clear net and uh, you can join my group uh, at uh, matwet slash network dash subject and there's a link link to it on, on the the clear Web website.
0: Thank you for listening. Please visit us at www.thestack.link Or find us on Twitter, at thestack.link, all one word. And please remember to like and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Josh, and with Andy, we are The Stack.